0: y'all welcome back to another episode of wine therapy it's me chris evans and my co-host nancy hello first of all we have to start off the podcast with some very sad not news at this point because it happened a couple of weeks ago but the voice at the top of every one of our episodes of this podcast is the legendary Chloris Leachman from Spanglish. And we just lost her a few weeks ago. And so we just need to acknowledge her brilliance.
1: Yeah, legendary. I've My first exposure to her was young Frankenstein when I was a little girl. And I always loved her after that. So whenever I would see her pop up in anything, I was always so excited. Like when she was randomly cast in Bad Santa, Oh, let me make you some sandwiches. She she was amazing and used to crack Oh my God, she's... I forgot she was in. Yeah, she's gonna be sorely missed. Yeah, oh, she's look, in now and then to be, too.
0: That needs to be the next, well, that needs to be a movie that we watch on our next like wine get together because <laughs> oh, I that's... feel like I haven't seen it in a really long time and I forgot how fucking hilarious that movie is.
1: Oh, I watch it every Christmas. I buy scotch or bourbon and I watch it like every Christmas Eve fucking but
0: but yeah so we so you know cheer I don't know so is (laughs) cheer an appropriate thing to say to someone who's dead no what's
1: R.I.P. queen
0: (laughs) no just uh, yeah we're pouring one out for Cloris Leachman and yes um, if you don't know who she is you're you've really missed out so Go and look up her filmography. because She's fucking hilarious.
1: And odds are that even if you think you don't know who she is, you're going to see a picture and you're going to go, oh my God, her? Okay, yeah. I remember her from this. She was in so many things. She had a very long television and film career. So yeah. And if you haven't seen anything, then you're uncultured swine and get that cue ready to be updated.
0: <laughs> okay, so this episode is a best and worst recap of 2020. So we're going to start with the best and work our way down to the worst so that we're properly buzzed for the worst of 2020. And so we're going to, so let's start, I, I don't know what, what order we're going to go, exactly what order we're going to go in with this. but. We're going to, I mean, we're talking about some true crime stuff that happened, some political stuff, some current, some sort of news events, some movies, some TV. And uh, so it just runs the gamut. And uh, so I think let's start with the biggest thing that happened in 2020, which obviously is we got a new president. Thank God. Yes. And vice president.
1: And like... When they speak, you don't feel your insides like just wanting to rip themselves apart and your blood boiling and then your head doing these weird ticks where you can just feel like you're dying inside. So yes. yeah, that's it's. we got to start there. I think that's where we got to start.
0: Yeah, and I feel like we have, I, and I said this on Twitter the other day, is I feel like we have an untreated like PTSD from living under Donald Trump's presidency. I feel like we had to compartmentalize it in order to, you know how when you, I was in, I had my building, my office building was on fire in 2020, or excuse me, 2019. And when we found out it was on fire, I just ran out and we ran down the stairs and we got stuck on like the eighth floor, because that's where the fire was. So then we had to run back upstairs and go down the fire escape. And I was just totally in like survival mode. And it wasn't until I got out of the building and got to the other side of the street but I started hyperventilating and having an anxiety attack. And I think it's like one of those things where once you're in it, you have to not
1: fight or flight. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And so you only are able to really process the trauma like after you're on the other side of it.
1: Were you only able to process the trauma of the fire when you turned around and saw all the women and children you left in your wake that you shoved to get out of the building?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we did have this, there was this girl who was an intern and poor thing. She was like, the minute the alarm went off and we had to get out, she started like freaking out and having a complete full panic attack. And my, luckily one of my coworkers was like with her and helping her like get down the stairs and everything. But I was like, girl, move. <laughs> like, like, We can deal with these feelings and you can be freaking out as you're running down the fire escape. I need you to move. I don't No, Let's go.
1: Girl, there's smoke. This is not a drill. Let's kick a leg up and get down those stairs.
0: <laughs> and it was it was really scary too, because it was actually like, as we were going down the stairs, the debris from that floor was like coming out onto the fire escape. Oh. On top of our head. oh, yeah. no.
2: no! But no. I was like, no,
0: we need to get the hell down this fire escape.
1: Anyway, you're that's... a better woman than I am. I would have just thrown <laughs> myself off the side of the building like this. This is it's my time. God told me to go. It's, I'm ready to go. Let's just. Let's end it. But
0: anyway, so yeah, so that's, I feel like now that we're on the other side of it, it's like, holy shit, we just went through four years of just like constant abuse and just insanity mm-hmm. every day waking up to some awful news or something that he said or some shit he tweeted that was just outrageous or some like crazy thing he sent to fucking Kim Jong-un or whatever the hell. And it's
1: just getting flashbacks from what's love got to do with it? Eat the cake, I eat the cake. I mean,
0: it's it was just it was a lot. And
1: well, I think the first time I felt that way was when Biden did an address during the Capitol riot, where he was like, "I implore you, please tell these people." Like, I was like, "Oh my God, did you guys hear how many like one dollar words he just used?" Oh my God, and. I feel hopeful and not sick. Oh, remember when presidents used to make you feel that way? Oh my God. So that was the first time I think the light bulb went off where I was like, good God, I don't have a flooded feeling of anxiety in my body when, he, when my president opened his mouth. This is amazing. What a time to be alive.
0: Yeah. And, you know, obviously Kamala Harris is also the vice president and, you know, she's the first non-white male to be vice president in history. And it. and it also seems like she's being treated by Biden basically as an equal. You know, she's from the stuff that they're putting out on social media and the stuff that he's saying, it seems like she's basically working hand in hand with him at every turn, which is, I mean, I guess every president handles their relationship with the vice president differently.
1: I feel that started with the George W. Bush era where the dynamic of president and VP got like a drastic shift. But yeah, I, I definitely think presidencies prior to that, I think it was much more of a, like a joined effort. Hey, I'm going to do this big picture and you get in the details and then you do this big picture and I'll get into the details. Like it was a more harmonious relationship, I feel. But I love, I have to say, whoever's running their social media give, give them a raise. Cause they're doing really good, like heartfelt, wholesome, uplifting posts. And then also really informative. Don't believe the hype type posts. And like, here's what we're already getting done. And like, I, so I, yeah, whoever is running their social media, they deserve a raise, but yeah, I think their teamwork is so for as early as it is. I mean, it's February and I feel like I can already count on two hands how many direct examples I have of something they spearheaded together. And I love that. That's how it should be.
0: Yeah, there's also, look, let's be real. Biden is 1,001 years old, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, so he, you know, has a certain degree of stamina that you would expect for somebody who's in that age bracket. And-
1: Hey, hey, he jogged to that podium during the inauguration. (laughs) Trump could never- (laughs) Very true and
0: but it's all but it's just you want to feel like if something were to happen to him, not necessarily that he would die, but even just you know people that age have health problems sometimes and he may become incapacitated, mm-hmm. or you know who knows, and you know you want to feel confident that the vice president is fully up to date on everything that's going on and can immediately jump in and keep things moving,
1: yeah, definitely
0: and. <laughs> Speaking of Biden's virility, I don't know if you saw that, not the picture, but the video that came out the other day where, because I guess his wife put for Valentine's Day, like some heart statues or structures or something out on the lawn. And yeah, so I saw those. The two of them were out there just, I don't know, walking around.
1: And I love were, their relationship. They yeah. love each other so much. Like, it's so nice to have a first couple back in the White House that it's so evident how much they love each other. I They're so adorable. Yeah, but the
0: thing is that people were zooming in on the pictures, I mean, on the video to look at Biden's like bulge in his jeans because I guess he was free <laughs> Oh, girl.
1: girl. And I was
0: like, I know, I was like everybody, and for some reason, I don't know why, I don't know, I, I don't know why I now sa- suddenly have this reputation that people would want to send this to me. <laughs> All these people were tagging me in the video. Look at this. I'm like, why would you think that I want to see a 107-year-old teen? I don't understand.
1: (laughs) But I had to like- Hey, hey, we're equal opportunity here, all right? (laughs) (laughs) We do not discriminate. We are equal opportunity.
0: But I had to quote tweet video and just say, people, stop sending me this, please. (laughs) Stop putting it on my timeline. (laughs)
1: That's amazing.
0: Anyway, yeah, so that happened. So let's talk about a couple of other news stuff that happened that was good in 2020. Good, which was we got a couple of sexual predators off the street, starting with Harvey Weinstein. Although, was that, wait, was that technically in 2020 or was that in 2019?
1: The actual conviction was 2020 with his dumb ass hobbling up with that fake-ass walker getting out of that van (laughs) with his face looking like a deteriorating avocado. I cannot deal
0: with the fucking, like, dramatics and the theatrics of him, like, walking in like he's
1: fucking one of the Golden Girls and shit. Oh, come on. The Golden Girls were very spry. (laughs) Yeah, he was sentenced to... It was almost exactly a year ago. He was sentenced to 20 years for criminal sexual act in the first degree and three years for rape in the third degree to be served consecutively for assaulting two women in New York. He was also so, sentenced to 10 years of post-release supervision for both charges on March 11th, 2020.
0: So yeah, sorry, 23 so years in jail. 23? Oh, Well, he's already, what, in his 60s anyway? Or 70s? I don't know how old he is.
1: Well, according to Google, next to his age, it just says gross. So I don't know how <laughs> old he actually is. Yeah, so <laughs> beats me. But yeah. He's, yeah, 23 years for rape and sexual assault. What an amazing time to be alive. Oh my god, his face, it's so upsetting. God. Can you imagine?
0: Ugh, I no, I can't. I just no. No. why does he aside from the fact that you know how you remember that scene in Batman, the the first Batman, when mm-hmm. the Joker like falls into that fucking vat of like acid or whatever? Yeah. I feel like that's Harvey. That's how Harvey Weinstein looks. Is like post that of acid. Like he stepped out, and that's what his fucking Facebook.
1: I just think of the line in Deadpool where he says, "It looks like an avocado. Your face looks like an avocado fucked a topographical map of Utah." (laughs) That's pretty accurate. Oh my god! Yeah.
0: And then he's got, it, like, the ugh. one wonky eye where it looks like somebody took a shovel and just like, hit him in the head and all <laughs> his facial features came out of whack and they just didn't go back to their normal place.
1: Yeah, I... He's truly a confusing physical being, but I, I, just I don't can't know. I deal think... with...
0: Because I, I just Googled and, like, all these pictures of him being, like, walked through the courtroom like he can't fucking use his own feet and shit. Like, Bill Cosby, when he was being all extra with, like, tripping and shit. Come the fuck on. Y'all need to stop.
1: Well, that's what I love on Reddit. They had footage of him getting into the, like, Escalade or whatever big vehicle outside of the courthouse. And full tilt, the last three steps, the walker's off the ground. He's just walking normal. I'm sure I don't need to tell you this,
0: but you know that... That's like a, a famous tactic by like mobsters and stuff when they go when they get arrested and stuff. is like they put on this whole theatrical production about how they're so weak and feeble when they go into court and just try to get lower sentences.
1: Yeah, honey, you don't need to tell me that. I dragged you to that mob museum in Las Vegas. <laughs> it's, I, I know everything there is to know about Italian mob history. <laughs> Coming in with awesome tanks Yeah, we tanks went, we and went shit.
0: to the mob museum in Las Vegas and they have this really cool thing where they basically show you like these bodies like dead bodies of real people who were killed by the mob or whatever or somehow connected to to the mob and you're supposed to you're supposed to analyze the body and give it an autopsy for you to figure out how they were killed and I'm sitting there trying to like Look at the fucking actual clues on the body and be like, okay, this person has a ligature around their neck. So they were killed by being choked with a rope. And she's like, well, I read this book from, you know, 1991 that talks about, and they said that this person was killed. Like, I'm like, girl, you're supposed to base it off of what's in the fucking autopsy.
1: Hey, the chick that was down there was very impressed with the knowledge that I had. So give me a break. No, and it's also, if you ever make your way out to Las Vegas, it's really awesome because the building that it's in was actually a former courthouse where some of these court cases were heard, like with Tony's Patrolo and Frank Rosenthal and all of them during the skim in the 70s in Las Vegas at the Stardust. So it's very interesting. Highly recommend if anybody wants more book recommendations, because I have about 12 books on the mob in Las Vegas. So just at me at Twitter and I'll get it to you. <laughs> I had, so I had
0: a really weird dream. Like, I just remember that I had a dream like last week that you were banned from Twitter.
1: I mean, I did say the R word about for the Washington football team in the last episode. I forgot <laughs> that they changed the name and I said the old name. So maybe that's common. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> gonna listen and I'm gonna get canceled. Yeah, and I was like,
0: Shit, we're gonna have to go back in the old podcast episodes and change and not tell them, i mean, going tell them a different handle
1: only reason why I would get banned from Twitter is if I posted like a selfie, they'd be like, ma'am, that is cruel and unusual punishment. Please, I'm eating lunch. This is disgusting. And I'd be like, "Okay, that's fair. That's fair.
0: But so Harvey Weinstein was not the only sexual predator that got taken down in 2020. There was also Jeffrey Epstein and his partner in crime, Ghislaine Maxwell, which did you watch the Netflix docuseries about them?
1: Oh, I sure did.
0: Oh, it my God. It
1: ah. was very disturbing. The disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein is dead.
2: Did he kill himself? Was he killed?
0: There was something happening here that was bigger than just Jeffrey Epstein. He
1: was no as this Gatsby-like figure of mystery.
0: He was stunningly rich. He had a $20 million house, his own private island in the Caribbean.
1: He has a nickname, The Pedophile Island.
0: In 2005, the Palm Beach Police Department
1: received reports of young women going to and from his residence. There
0: was an ever revolving door of girls.
1: Who else was underage? Those girls brought other girls too. It's a train, and it goes on and on. This case
0: and put him in prison the rest of his life. Have you ever solicited
1: a minor for prostitution? I'm going to invoke my Fifth Amendment right. Now. Like, I
0: just, aside from the fact that it, it's it's terrifying to see what can happen. When somebody who is a predator has that degree of influence and power and money, what they can do and what they can get away with,
1: yeah, and there's a whole infrastructure set up around them to keep the abuse like consistent and to keep bringing in you know new people and i yeah honestly, I honestly mean, had not... a whole
0: fucking island an island yeah
1: yeah, and i I didn't know as much about Jeffrey Epstein prior to. The documentary like some of the more sorted details i didn't really know and i i didn't realize just god how many pictures there are of him with 15 and 16 year old girls and ugh, i don't know and when i'm a chick especially being an old bitter woman like i am now looking back and thinking of god i remember what a moron i was at 15 and how i really didn't know myself or my body in that kind of way like the line between being a girl and being a woman like actually growing up and just Oh God! It just makes my stomach turn with some of the scenes and some of the things that these women were talking about that they had to do or was done to them. I was just like, ah, oh, ah
0: oh. I, I, the whole Ghislaine aspect of it is so disturbing to me. I mean, it, it, obviously Jeffrey Epstein is too, but I, I, it's hard for me, harder for me to wrap my head around like a woman being a participant in abusing other women like that. You know what I mean? It's- Yeah. It's yeah. like, I read yesterday about, not yesterday, but a couple of days ago about this guy in Malta who literally was, I guess he had two brothers that were gay and he was terrified his son was gonna be gay too. And so his son, who was seven years old, he like, Forced, he found a couple of prostitutes and forced them, female prostitutes,
1: to (gasps) stop
0: his seven year old son, basically.
1: And oh my God.
0: Yeah. And because the boy didn't get an erection, he was whipping him with an electrical cord.
1: What? Oh my God. I had not heard about that, but that's truly Noah. Get the boat. Pack it up here, boys. (laughs) and and the species
0: and so the women th- they came forward to the police and said like this guy was like trying to kill us he told like, he they were basically saying he was forcing us under threat of violence to do this to this boy and so it's there are certain situations where it's like a lot of times the women who are complicit are in their own way a in some sort of circumstance where they feel like they don't have another choice. Not that that I'm saying that excuses it, but I'm just saying it's at least some kind of explanation. But I don't understand somebody like Ghislaine Maxwell, who is like an independently wealthy socialite. Like she doesn't have to take part in the shit that Jeffrey wants her to do. So she had to have been doing it of her own volition.
1: Oh, yeah, I think she definitely wanted to be doing it. But I will tell you, I think there's like a girl code of. So, for example, if I am, you know, at a party and it's, you know, there's a bunch of men and women all mixed together. If I have a woman in my direct proximity, whether I'm close with her or not, because there have been times where girls, we watch each other at the bar just to make sure nothing like sketchy or shady is going on. Especially if I see someone that's like super drunk, quickly I realize it's me in a mirror and I've been talking to myself for 20 minutes, but like, I'll keep an eye out. If I see a woman that seems like really incapacitated, if a dude's being weird or creepy with her, I try to keep an eye out and ask, is she okay? Do you need an Uber? But if I'm in an environment where there may be men there that I don't know, if I have a woman in my direct proximity, I feel like I have an ally where I can go and be like, hey girl, real quick, can you just pretend that we're best friends and we went to college together and oh my God, we just saw each other and now we're leaving. And I think any woman would absolutely like, girl, I got your back, let's go. So I feel like some of your inner alarm bells are silenced a little bit when you have another woman around of, well, she wouldn't let anything too sketchy happen to me, right? So I feel like that kind of helped facilitate some of these girls getting in this situation of she's an older, smart woman and, you know, she'll look out for me. She, she would have my best interests at heart. Like, even if he got creepy, if I told her she'd nip it, like but clearly that wasn't the case.
0: Right. That's the thing is without Ghislaine's participation, he may not have been so successful at, you know, grooming and seducing these girls into these situations. And so that's what makes it really sad. And, but you know, the the whole saga of what happened with Jeffrey and his prosecution and his, you know, alleged suicide is like a whole other thing. But just the shit that's, that's gone down with Ghislaine and this trial, well, not her trial, because she hasn't gotten to trial yet, but I guess her lawyers have been fighting all these different things that, you know, like they, she's wanted to keep like her deposition secret and she wanted to, I think she wanted to be released from jail because of COVID pending trial. And then the other day, she, her lawyer said that she's the, she's not getting a fair trial because the jury isn't diverse enough. As if to say that if there's more black people on the jury somehow that's helpful to her, like, bitch, no, you're, (laughs) we're sending your ass to prison too. what are you talking about
1: yeah well and i will tell you do you remember that documentary we watched thought crime about the cannibal cop yeah i did not realize until i watched the netflix thing i did not realize that the attorney from the cannibal cop case is jeffrey epstein's attorney alan dershowitz
0: wait alan dershowitz was representing the cop
1: no, he was one of the lawyers that they were talking to in the Cannibal Cop documentary. Oh
0: yeah, know, yeah. Alan, Alan Dershowitz is an extremely famous attorney on the issue of free speech. Like he's an yeah. expert on that in that area, and but
1: With why I was surprised to see he's Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer because I was like, where did how did that happen?
0: Right. Well, Alan Dershowitz is a whole. I mean. There, there are definitely skeletons in his closet that are hopefully gonna to come to light because the degree to which he's gone out of his way to defend sexual predators, not only Jeffrey Epstein, but also Donald Trump as well, there's definitely yeah. something he's hiding. And there was a whole um, article that he wrote defending having sex with underage girls basically i mean essentially his argument was that statutory rape shouldn't be illegal
1: (laughs) oh wait was is this an article that was featured in the onion or this is like (laughs) a legit article that he wrote i i forget what
0: publication it was in but terrifying yeah like people unearthed that article like i think maybe two years ago and everybody was like what And then, so that was like the first thing of what the hell is wrong with Alan Dershowitz? And then all this other stuff came out about like him, about Trump and Jeffrey Epstein. And it's just a whole mess. But so I don't know when Ghislaine's trial is supposed to start. Let's see. She's being held in New York on a $5 million bond. Okay. The trial is supposed to start in July, on July 12th so
1: well I saw something a couple days ago about this massage testimony being unsealed it was from a 2016 deposition that she was like no no please don't read and they just unsealed it I don't know what it says I didn't read the article but
0: yeah I don't even know which one of you because there's been I'm literally looking at her Wikipedia page and there's a whole section divided I mean, devoted to civil cases and accus- and accusations and there's 15 different cases So I don't know exactly which deposition it is, or maybe it's all of them, but yeah, she's, I I mean, if I were her, I would be looking to make a deal and fucking turn over that black book. But um, who knows? I guess she's trying, maybe she'll, maybe she's, I mean, both she and Jeffrey Epstein are probably narcissists. And so she's probably not even able to wrap her head around the fact that she's going to prison. Like, she's probably in her head thinking that she'll be able to slither her way out of it. Who knows? But her trial starts in July, and it's supposed to be a two-week trial, so that'll be interesting to see. But honestly, you know, with everything that's been going on, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the justice system as it pertains to white people, so Fair. I— uh, who should probably get a slap on the wrist and somehow get out of going to prison for a very long time? Um, no
1: dessert for a week, <laughs> and we're suspending your driver's license.
0: Yeah, but all she is also under charges. I think in locally in the U.S. Virgin Islands, which is where Epstein Island was, I believe. So who knows?
1: But anyway, so it's a lot of shots on goal. So something <laughs> might stick.
0: Okay, so. Moving on from one sexual predator to another—well, actually, this is the second that we're discussing, so now we're moving on to the third—Tiger King.
1: Do you remember? Do you remember? It's almost a year ago now, when we were first told, all right, guys, we're going in our two-week quarantine. We're going to flatten the curve. And we all thought that was really going to be it. It was just going to be the two-week quarantine. That is how I found Tiger King. So I have a weird nostalgia for the beginning of the pandemic because that's when I found Tiger King. And that's what everyone was talking about. This was such a complete unexpected whirlwind and such a gem. And my absolute favorite person, I'll have to look up his name, but I thought Tiger King was incredible. And every episode would open and I'd be like, wait, they did what? (laughs) It was completely shocking, but I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Chris.
0: No, I'm sorry. Yeah, so this was, yeah, I, this was what everybody was talking about when quarantine started. It was, I, I, I don't know if it's the most popular docu-series that Netflix has ever done. I imagine it probably is. And just one of those things, it was in the zeitgeist and dropped it just the right time and everybody became obsessed with it. And mm-hmm. now, you know... Carol Baskin is a fucking folk hero and she's being mentioned in rap songs.
1: What, we got one, two, three different sexual predators in there. Joe Exotic, Jeff Lowe, and Bhagavan Antle. So three Wait, who,
0: dudes doing... Who's Bhagavan Antle?
1: Girl, are you kidding? He's the one that has the shit in South Carolina near Myrtle Beach. And he they had his one, like, former employee there who was talking about how all of the, like, main women performers pretty much they all he just has a harem of women they each have their own house they all sleep with him they had her get breast implants and she didn't want to do it but figured it was the best thing to do cuz she'd get to rest for a couple days cuz she was working like 22 hour days doing tiger shit he's had the long weird hair okay he's yeah i nice. just
0: googled him and i remember him now cuz i remember i remember him seeming like one of the normal people in the show <laughs> for a, a period and then <laughs> They just dropped all this shit about how fucking creepy he was. Yeah. So, yeah. So a whole gaggle of sexual predators in this show. But do you want to just remind people just generally what Tiger King was about?
1: Okay, so Tiger King is a Netflix documentary series that centers on Joe Exotic, who owns this weird makeshift zoo in the middle of Oklahoma. He is a gay, gun-loving, country-singing, mullet-having, very interesting individual. So it literally, this whole series chronicles, it starts out showing you the grounds and you meet him and you get a little bit of his backstory on his life, how his brother died, how he's always loved big cats, and how he made this place in honor of his brother and how it's the happiest he can be when he brings all these people to tour in and then it makes you delve into this entire weird underworld of quote unquote big cat people which is how you get introduced to Bhagavan Antal and Jeff Lowe because they're also big cat enthusiasts and Carol Baskin is a big cat enthusiast who runs a like sanctuary called Big Cat Rescue in Florida and this very weird small subset of society they all just took turns bashing on each other so it chronicles That entire community and a alleged death plot for Carol Baskin. And then it unwraps all of her weird shitty history. That's probably the most succinct way I can do it.
2: Yeah.
0: And Joe uh, Exotic has this like harangue of young men around him that are supposedly straight that he you know, has as his boyfriends and
1: he marries them.
0: Did he marry the first one too?
1: Yeah. They had a three way <laughs> wedding where they all wore pink shirts.
0: But you can't legally get married to more than one person.
1: Well, there was a wedding ceremony. I don't know if it's a legal <laughs> marriage to all of them, but and also it's Oklahoma. So they get tornadoes and shit. It's weird out there. So who knows? <laughs>
0: But, I mean, essentially, he was feeding them drugs, probably meth.
1: Based off the one guy's teeth, yeah? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I didn't watch it, but they had a update special, and I think he showed up with his teeth with, like, new teeth. So Yep,
1: I watched it. He does have new teeth, <laughs> and they look great.
0: But, yeah, it seems like these boys were basically having sex with him in exchange for the drugs he was feeding them. And well, wait, were any were either of them underage? I don't think they were.
1: The younger one, Travis, I think was his name, was nineteen. Okay, so I mean, so they not had, underage, but young. Yeah. And
0: so, yeah, I mean, everyone became obsessed with this, and I, you know, my thing was, first of all, I never understood how. I mean, they they do talk about the fact that Carol the theory that carol killed her first husband cuz she's remarried now and first of all her she and her new husband are fucking weird as fuck cuz i don't know if I you agree. saw i don't know if you ever saw the photos of them like wearing some weird like leopard print swimsuits or, yeah. or some shit yeah it was they're
1: just no the wedding really... photo of her in the wedding dress and him in a leopard print thing like with him on a leash and she's like laughing with her weird ass Want to be Coachella Flower Crown, like the original yeah. Snapchat filter. Remember, that's what it fucking looks like. Yeah.
0: But her first husband disappeared under some ambiguous circumstances, shall we say. And, and he was loaded. Yeah. And so I think she and her current husband claim that he's still alive, but he's like off the grid or something.
1: Well, but, she did first tell the news station, like. Oh, and maybe he had a stroke, or he just doesn't know who he is or where he is. And, you know, we just don't know. I'm like,
0: my God, this is ridiculous. Girl, bye. You
1: did it, just admit it.
0: Oh my God, I just tried Googling the leopard print thing and (laughs) there were all these, they're actually selling a Carol Baskin costume that's her in that sheer wedding dress. (laughs) With her holding the leash. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, so, I mean, but there's never been any evidence found that her husband is actually dead, and so the theory is that she fed it to one of her tigers or one of her fucking wild animals she has in her little zoo. But the thing that I never understood was they basically present Carol as though she's somehow this moral antithesis to Joe in terms of the treatment of the animals and that she's like running an animal sanctuary. But I never understood how what she does is any different from Joe. Like how is her keeping these wild animals in captivity in her fucking backyard? How is that any different from what Joe Exotic is doing?
1: I think the only reason why they treat her differently is because she was, the way that she framed it was, because of people like Joe Exotic, who are out there just nonstop breeding all these tigers and selling them to people, then these owners become overwhelmed by having the big cat and they can't have them anymore. So then they, those cats get dumped on big cat rescue. So she's not breeding any cats. She's clearly just having a home for tigers that are being discarded. Like you can't take them to the fucking pound. Like So she's essentially the pound of the big cat world. And also, I think the reason why they treated her a little differently is because she can make all these references to like, and we are working for this legislation for the treatment of big cats. And then, I mean, the next shot they show Joe Exotic standing on top of a tractor trailer, like shooting a shotgun going, want to see this shit? So I feel like that's why they treat him different. I don't think they're trying to say Carol's any better. I think everyone in that documentary is like, certifiably insane, but I think that's why... But don't they have, didn't she,
0: doesn't she have a whole grift with that sanctuary she has, where she, like, uses her social media to tell, to fundraise, but it really just goes into her own fucking pocket?
1: Oh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there's that. She,
0: both she and Joe are using these wild animals for money, and somehow she sees herself as, like, an activist, but it's...
1: Maybe it's Maybe. because she got to go on Dancing with the Stars. Maybe that's why she sees herself as different.
0: Maybe why does, different. why, I don't know, Dancing with the Stars, do they not have any kind of vetting process or any just general? There's is, is there no rock bottom for dance, Dancing with the Stars of where they're willing to go? How? Well,
1: that's, <laughs> that's what I love. Dave Chappelle talked about when he retired and when he finally came back, how he got that phone call and he was like, hi, oh, Dancing with the Stars. Nope, not yet. He said, you ever see me out there waiting on the critiques of my cha-cha? It's over. My soul is broken. Like, yeah, it's a certain <laughs> level of desperation, I think, to go on Dancing with the Stars. Like, but, I, I mean, understand you have a
0: mortgage, but... Ugh. But it's one thing for it to be like, oh, some D-list sitcom star from the 1980s and it's, you know, fucking Valerie Bertinelli or something. But they literally have had Sean Spicer from, like, Trump's first White House press that- secretary. And, like...
1: That feels to, pretty D-list to me.
0: No, but but I'm saying, like, in terms of the, like, bottom of the barrel, like, this is someone who was working on behalf of a, like, corrupt criminal administrator. Like, who's next? O.J. Simpson and fucking, like, Casey Anthony?
1: So hear me out, though. Hear me out. If you already hate some of the people that they're picking, would, it, would you be more inclined to want to watch, like, a celebrity you really like and respect in a dance competition or would you want to see someone like Sean Spicer that you fucking hate and just laugh and cackle at him falling and fucking up the most basic dance steps that's better TV I think watching the people I hate
0: I don't know I'm not able to find the humor in it because to me it's just these are people who are just trying to extend their 15 minutes and now that they're banished basically from the world of politics now it's like okay I gotta find some other way to make money and so yeah, it's like but, these people But it's really not...
1: cringe. <laughs> it's really cringe, which means I don't, it's hilarious.
0: I don't know. I'm I'm I guess I'm just not I'm not a cringe watcher. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Uh, well no, few... no, Chris, we've been friends for how many years? You're very much a cringe watcher. <laughs> You've been watching me be cringy in action for a million <laughs> years now. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: but that's I have no choice.
1: love you too bitch
0: (laughs) i'm stuck with you so yeah so but the other thing about joe exotic is he's they tell you in the show that he's like serious that he's a republican and he's i don't know if he i can't remember if he mentioned trump specifically if he's a trump supporter or voted for trump but i guess from what I remember, he was trying to portray himself as somewhat of a libertarian, if I remember. Like, he's a, he yeah. was running as a, I think, as a Republican, but he was trying to be one of those, like, I just want the government to stay out of people's business, Republicans.
1: And but, the, I love my guns, don't take them away.
0: Right. But, obviously, there's a lot of stuff that came out about him after the show was over, and came out that he was this like virulent racist and even the filmmakers of the show admitted that he was and they were asked why they didn't show it and they're like well we didn't think it was relevant to the story
1: oh my god i did not know that
0: yes i'll send you i'll send you the um, interview but yeah they were asked by i think vulture or new york magazine or somebody like hey there's all these they asked the filmmakers was there footage on the cutting room floor of him saying things that were racist and they said yes and they said why did you Ugh. include it and they were like well it just w- did, didn't did really come up as, as part of the
2: relevant
0: <laughs> okay um wow yeah but and then you know he was like all, licking trump's ass to try to get him to pardon him and of course it-
1: yeah i did read I did read that they had a limo parked like a couple blocks from the jail because Joe Exotic was just so convinced he was going to get pardoned at the last second by Trump and then it never happened. (laughs) Sorry, girl. Better luck next time. Off to prison.
0: (laughs) So that's Tiger King. Netflix has been having some really good true crime series. Yes. Yes. um, I mean... I'm sure a lot of people watched the Unsolved Mysteries thing that came out, that the reboot, and so they came out with that. They had the, the Night Stalker. The Night Stalker one, yeah, but that was in that was this year.
1: But... Sorry, I thought we were just naming the <laughs> Netflix doing good shit.
0: But one of the ones that came out last year that didn't get as much attention as Tiger King, but in my opinion, it should have is Don't fuck with, <laughs> Don't Fuck with Cats which mm-hmm. I don't even remember how I ended up deciding to watch it. I think I only watched it because Netflix sent me an email saying like, we think you would like this. And I was like, mm-hmm. why would Netflix think that I would want to watch some fucking show about cats or like, I mean, I have a cat, but I, I've never watched any kind of like nature program or anything on there. So I was like, what? why would Netflix recommend this to me? And so then I'm when I read the description I was like, oh, this is actually like a true crime series. It just has like a weird title.
1: And so the cover good. art was weird. When it first came out on Netflix, the cover art was like a weird series of like internet emojis. It, it wasn't clear when you just looked at like the poster art for it what it was actually about. And then I realized right after I watched it, it changed and it showed like the close-up on like body movins eyes looking at the laptop. But yeah, the, yes. it did not look like a Oh, here's a true crime thing. Here's a thing with real people. Like it it was very odd cover art when it first came out on Netflix, cause I watched it. I think it was the second day it was out because every time I opened Netflix, it would just pop up like, don't fuck with cats. And I was like, okay, I get that you want me to watch a thing Netflix, but I'm already like in the middle of something. So give me a second and I'll come back. And then I yeah. started it, it was the second day it was out and I binged it all in one day.
0: Yeah. So I think I tried to watch it all in one day, but I I had started it like at night. So it was one of those things where it was like 2 a.m. and my eyes were burning and I was like, I have to go to bed. But So do you want to give people sort of a synopsis of generally what Don't Fuck With Cats is about?
1: Yeah, so Don't Fuck With Cats, it follows two like internet sleuths, John Green and Body Movin. (laughs) Every time I I see anything.
0: I don't know why her fucking screen name makes me laugh so fucking hard, but it's, so, it's a rough, her, so, John, wait, but John Green's name isn't really John Green either, right? That's, like, his...
1: Yeah, no, it's aliases for both of them.
0: Okay, yeah, so, so there are two, sorry to to jump into Nancy's synopsis, but there are two, like, internet people who use handles online to do their web sleuthing, and John Green On Facebook primarily Yeah And so John Green Is the main guy And then the woman Who is also The main person in it I forget what her real name is But she goes by Body moving As in (laughs) From the What the Beastie Beastie Boys Boys. song Yeah And I think she spells it like B-A-U-D-I-M-O-V-A-N or something like that. So, I don't know, just for for some fucking reason, every time I read or hear Body Move-In, it just cracks me the fuck up. But sorry, anyway, please continue.
1: Body Move-In! Uh, I think about, it's also,
0: um... I think part of it is because she's, she's such, I don't know, this plain, like, couch potato, like, wallflower type woman who, like, is sitting at home alone with her cat. And the, the, I don't know, it just, the the, co- the combination of her plus the name body moving, it just <laughs> kills me.
1: Anyway. Oh <laughs> so, so they are these two web sleuths that are mm-hmm. extremely active on Facebook. So the documentary centers around like one of the most infamous crimes to come out of Canada. There was Oh, I guess edit that part out. I shouldn't give away the Canada part. <laughs> okay, so starting over. So Don't Fuck With Cats, it follows John Green and Body Movement, and there are these two web sleuths that are reactive on the internet. So back in like 2011, I think, there were these uh, three separate videos that got uploaded to the internet. And I guess trigger warning if you can't hear things about animal cruelty, but they're pretty much videos of, these kittens just being played with like on a bed. And then one is one video is them getting suffocated in the bag. And then them being put in the freezer. And then the third video is the corpses being taken out of the freezer and like being rolled around on the bed. So I will tell you, I mean, obviously Chris and I very highly recommend this documentary, but I had a lot of very scary moments where I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna look at the screen, please don't show it. They are very good about not showing it like you can. They show someone watching it and their reaction. But anyway, so yeah, of course... a lot of
0: people, a lot of people that I recommended it to, are like, "Oh my god, I can't watch animal cruelty." They really yeah. only show the video for thirty seconds out of this whole like ten-hour docu series. So you, can, the, seeing the actual torture of the cats, you can easily fast forward through it and not even be affected by
1: watching the show. Well, yeah, the only part that you actually see the video is the part of the first one where the cats are alive and he hasn't, nothing crazy's happened yet. So that's really the only part that you see. So I, I do think that they, that Netflix was smart and props to whoever did editing for that because I think they did really well. But obviously when anyone hears about someone that is messing with animals, it caused a lot of outrage online and it formed this online community on Facebook, this group with John Green and Body Moving, and, like, it just spread like wildfire, grew to thousands upon thousands of members, and it was just all of these people working together to try and figure out where did these videos come from, who did this, and let's track this piece of shit down. So, yeah, that that's the premise of Don't Fuck With Cats, and I don't want to give away the whole thing, but, of course, one of the telltale signs of, a serial killer or a sociopath, or a psychopath, I'm sorry, is someone that messes with animals. So, of course, it escalates into other things. So, I didn't want to give yeah, it too much so, away.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, so the things that it's, I started watching it thinking that, okay, this is a show about, because I don't think, I don't think I knew how many episodes it was. So, I thought, okay, this is a show about tracking down someone who's, who's being cruel to animals. Okay, cool. And yeah. That but that part of it really only was relevant to like the first episode because once they the, these people all came together on the internet to track down someone who was torturing animals because they care about animals and people get as you know white people get very all crazy about anytime somebody does anything to an animal so the, you know these people were like determined to figure out who this person was and. As the show goes on, the story sort of zooms out to, okay, this is not just someone who did some terrible things to some kittens. This is a much bigger story. And without giving it away, John Green and Body Movin basically, I mean, they need to get hired by the fucking FBI because the shit they were doing, I mean, they had whole like archives and shit of receipts on like hard drives of all the research they did. They were looking on Google Maps and shit, like matching street corners to this and that to find to like piece together evidence. I mean, it was it it's it was a marvel just to watch the level of dedication and ingenuity that they used to locate this person because
1: Well, and like one of my favorite lines in it is when body moving, they're trying to just narrow down where in the world is this person even located? So she, they get a lead on where this person is at. And she has a quote where she's, I just spent 16 hours looking at Lithuanian doorknobs. Like they went into that much detail because in the video, you don't see, you don't see that many descript things in the room. You can see a doorknob, you can see like a pack of cigarettes. I think you can see an electrical outlet like it, So it's it is insane. The small amount of data they had to go off of to determine not only who is this person, but before we can even figure that out, we have to narrow down where is this person? So it's it is insane. I don't know why the FBI hasn't hired them. I yeah. I mean, Chris, yeah. I think you have some body move in tendencies with all your receipts on Twitter. Oh my gosh, no,
0: uh, absolutely not. <laughs> All I do is just fucking do a search on Twitter of people's usernames and take screenshots and shit. They, I mean, the, the work that they did, they had to actually like, like wanted, like you were saying, they so they looked, they basically, they were working off these videos that didn't show the person's face. I think it just showed maybe their hand and-
1: Yeah, hands and um, like uh, arms of a sweatshirt
0: yeah and so they had to work off the clues in that video to determine first off where the person was when they recorded it and then I think well what they used like the outlet the electrical outlet they saw and
1: no it was the um, it was the packaging of the cigarettes so for anyone that's not a smoker, so I'm a very heavy cigarette smoker and every state in the united states that you go to has certain things on the cigarettes. If I buy cigarettes in New York, it looks different than when I buy them in California. Same thing goes for other countries. What cigarette brands are available, number 1, and what kind of packaging they have. So, for example, Australia has like really big smoking kills with like pictures of like cancerous lungs and shit and, you know, Canada has certain stuff, the UK has certain stuff. Only certain cigarette brands are available, you know, in all of those countries. So there's a pack of cigarettes that is visible on the screen. And that is how they narrowed down exactly what country he was in.
2: Yeah.
0: But then there wasn't there something where there was something else that they saw in the video where they like tracked down all the manufacturers of
1: the vacuum cleaner.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it was just. Like, this is, goes beyond just like doing a search. I mean, they, this had to take like man hours of literally sitting there and doing like actual research to narrow down this shit. And I mean, God bless them for <laughs> not having any other, and not having a life or any other hobbies that they were t- able to dedicate all their time to this.
1: And that's what? what blows my mind, because they could easily, like, go work for a private investigator firm. Mm-hmm. But this is purely just, this is my hobby. This, I enjoy spending my time doing this. Yeah, but it's next level. And uh, if I ever go missing, Chris, it's your responsibility to get Body Move-In and John Green on the case.
0: <laughs> well, that's why, I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, don't, go, don't really Google this show before you watch it, because it's going to everything. Yeah. They ultimately do end up finding the person or, mm-hmm. well, yeah, and there's so much more to the story and so many other layers than just the torture of these cats, but, but.
1: I just pulled up my Netflix. So it's only three episodes, but it's really good. I highly recommend doing it. It's not like a super long series where it's going to suck up a bunch of your time. It's three episodes. Really good. So definitely one of the best true crime things I saw out of 2020.
0: Oh, but that's what I was going to say. That, so I, even though th- this story is finished, like they found the person, but I wanted to see like a second season with just fucking body movement and John Green, like solving some other crime.
1: Because Well, I will tell I, you, I mean, I a thousand percent am here for that. I have all the time in the world to watch that, but I will tell you all the... 2021 stuff true crime stuff that i have enjoyed that has come out of netflix all of them have said the same thing from the creators of don't fuck with cats
2: mm, yeah
1: which, which is what makes me go "Ooh, okay if even at a first blush i didn't think i was into it i'm definitely gonna watch it so
0: richard ramirez one was don't fuck
1: yeah people yep wow it sure was and i loved that i loved that series but no i want Can we, it doesn't even have to be a second season of Don't Fuck With Cats. Can we just get John Green and Body Move in their own, like, recurring show on the ID channel or A&E after Marsha Cross's (laughs) show? And it can just be them, like, how about they just find shitty cyber bullies from middle schools and high schools and then show up at their house and beat the shit out of them? Like, something like that. I would totally, I would love to watch them just hunt people down. I love that.
0: I'm surprised that they haven't started like a podcast.
1: Well, I did read an interview after, because that show did, it was a sleeper. It was out for a week or two, and then it really blew up and was, you know, at the top of the, you know, trending today in the United States. So Body Movin' did talk in an interview about how she deleted her social media for a while after the show came out. I don't remember all the details, but uh, yeah, neither one of them really strike me as people that really seek or like attention.
0: That's what makes them such great subjects for this documentary is these are clearly people who like are not cloud chasing or wanna be famous. They are they just like being homebodies who are on their computers. And so it, it was just fascinating to watch them in this whole
1: thing. Yeah, um, I, I loved both of them. I'm glad that they agreed to be interviewed because I mean, they were really the linchpins of figuring it all out. A lot of people were helping and involved and researching, but the two of them, weren't they like the administrators of the Facebook group? And they were compiling stuff to send to, you know, all these different criminal justice agencies. and
0: Yeah. So let's see, what should we do next? I guess we'll just finish out the true crime aspect for 2020 before we move on to other stuff. But Love it. So the last... Or actually, no, there's two more true crime things. So let's start, let's save murder at Middle Beach for last. Let's let's do American Murder, The Killer Next Door.
1: So the last um, Netflix true crime thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I I had already heard about this story because I listened to a podcast called Sword and the Scale, which is, it's a... Unfortunately, I really do like this podcast, but the guy who is the host of it is like an awful, like racist, misogynistic, like Trump supporter.
1: Oh, lovely, Um, cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, which I only recently found out because I've been listening to this podcast for two years. But so I was listening to that podcast and one of the things I liked about it was they will often like, as opposed to just having all this narration and like breaking it up into interviews and stuff, they will play just like, Long, uninterrupted excerpts of nine one one calls or like interrogation oh. videos and stuff like that. Girl. So, so one thing you'll notice when you watch American Murder: The Killer Next Door is they have body cam footage from the police when they showed up to the scene, and the, the Netflix series shows very a very small part of it. They show very little of it, but this episode that I listened to. Almost the entire episode was made up of just the audio from the body cam video of when they first arrived.
1: And the whole video is available on YouTube because I watched the whole thing after (laughs) I watched the documentary.
0: Okay, yeah, so so after you watch it, you can go and look this whole thing up. But um, so I had already known about the case from having listened to that podcast. And so as soon as it started, because I didn't know when I saw the advertising format, I didn't know it was the same story. But as soon as I started and I saw the police walking in and it was the, that body cam video, I was like, wait, I think this is that case. But. So why don't you give people a synopsis of the, the killer next door?
1: OK, so this is it's another true crime documentary from Netflix, and it follows a woman named. Shanann Watts, which I did not know Shanann was a name. I always just thought it was Shannon, but Shanann Watts, (laughs) um, who lives in Colorado and is, I don't want to use the term influencer, but like she has a very, she had a strong social media presence. She had some health battles through her life and she was just very active on the internet with her husband, Chris, and their two children, Bella and Cece. So this documentary, the Shanann and her two kids just up and disappeared. It chronicles the the beginning of the documentary. It's all of the body cam footage from the police, and hu- the husband Chris comes home, and he's, oh yeah, sorry, I was at work. I don't know where she could be. He's texting her phone. They're all looking for her. Her friends are outside the house. They're calling her parents that live in North Carolina. What I do love about this documentary is, it has emails, uh, text messages, Facebook posts, all this stuff. So you really get a sense of who she was and what their life was like. So it covers the the disappearance of the three Watts family members and the husband, Chris. And as someone that has dated a lot of Chris's, two out of 10 don't recommend.
0: Yeah, so the... What I, I don't want to give too much away, yeah, well, there's a lot that's revealed in just those moments with the the police, and there's a neighbor who comes, I forget how the neighbor even came over or got involved. Maybe the police by knocking on his door and asked,
1: yeah, the cops the went team. door to door in a six block radius.
0: So he, the neighbor ended up, oh, that's what it was. The neighbor came over because he has a security camera on his house that, I guess, faces the direction of Shanann
1: Watts' house. Well, Um, it gets the entrance to their driveway and a portion of the street. So if it was, you know, some car pulled in their driveway and parked and snatched them up and dragged them outside, that he would see it. Like, as the cop is in his living room, he's explaining oh, yeah, no, I I get this whole part of the street and this camera faces off this way and it's all motion activated, so if anything would have happened, I would have got it.
0: Yeah, I mean, the guy is clearly, like, a bit of a... He's eccentric and a bit of a busybody, but he, in the... I think, if I recall... Wait, was this series or was this a feature?
1: It's a feature.
0: Yeah. But they... Pretty early on, the neighbor... Says to the police, because the neighbor basically comes over with the security video
1: to show them. And... No, they bring the cop into his living room. They bring oh, Chris and the cop the into his house? living room. That's correct. Yep. Because it's all through his Xfinity, the My Camera thing, and they're still oh, okay. in his living room.
0: Yeah. Okay, but prior to that, I think the neighbor was in his house because I remember him saying to the police... He's acting really weird.
1: No, that's in his house that he says it. Because Chris leaves to go back next door. Like, the one friend of Shanann's comes back, and they're like, "Oh,
0: oh, so oh. Her Chris, mom's on the phone. So Chris went over to the neighbor's house, you're saying?
1: The neighbor came over to the cop at Chris's house and said, I have security footage of outside. So then the cop and Chris go over to the neighbor's. And then they watch the footage that essentially shows nothing had moved all night and here's the last thing i have here's where your truck was parked here's what i got and then chris gets a phone call from shenan's parents so he leaves and goes next door and that's when the neighbor's like yeah he's not acting right at all and the cop is like well give him a break like if you're in his position wouldn't you be freaking out too and he's I mean, I guess, but he's still not acting right. And it is very interesting, though. When you have anyone that has Xfinity, when you hit the remote and do, like, voice commands, if you have the security camera system through Comcast, you just say, like, my camera, and then it'll open it up. But what I thought was so insane was Chris is standing there, he's looking at the TV, the cop is looking at the TV, the neighbor is looking at the TV, and he did the voice command for my camera, and there was some show that was on some like discovery channel thing about like women that are pregnant. And after he sees that graphic pop up, Chris turns to the cop and he's, she's pregnant as well. And that's the first time we know that she's six months pregnant. I think that's the first time it it gets brought up to the police because I watched all the body cam footage. That's the first time it gets brought up and that's an hour or so in of the body cam footage. It's a very long video, but I watched the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, anybody whose loved one goes missing, that's the first thing you would mention to the police, is that they're pregnant. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Especially if they're six months pregnant. I mean, it's not, oh, she's late, and we're waiting to see.
1: (laughs) No, this is...
0: There is, like, a viable baby inside her womb, and...
1: Well, now (laughs) I'm wondering, was it six months? Maybe six weeks? 16 weeks? Uh, I (laughs) didn't... Let me google it. Well. <laughs> How pregnant was she when she got t- taken?
0: But yeah, so that that show, I mean that that movie came out last year. That's another and that was that one also done by the Don't fuck with cats people?
1: That I don't know, I don't but think it this was. one uh, yeah, I don't think it was either, but I can say this is another one where it just kept popping up in my recommendations and I was just kind of like Hmm. American Murder, The Family Next Door. This is going to be some like inbreeder shit or something. Uh, I don't know if I'm into it. And then when I started it, I do. And I'm sure when people, if anyone that's listening has not seen it before, when I got to the end of this documentary, I was like, okay, I vaguely remember this in the news. So you might think I have no idea anything about the story. But then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, I remember that happening. But yeah, I slept on this one for a long time. I actually didn't watch this one until, I want to say it was like October of last year. It came out September 30th, but I waited a while before I watched it. And then, of course, the memes that came out were, of course, top shelf. So.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the other thing about Joe Exotic, or Tiger King, rather, was like, just the memes were all over the place. And so that, I yeah. think that's part of what made everybody watch it is just the-, the And not the
1: viral TikToks memes. and yeah, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that came out. I will say my favorite guy in Tiger King was when the interviewer was like, and how many wives does Doc Antle have? He just goes, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> this guy.
0: <laughs> all right. So moving on to what was my favorite true crime thing of- 2020, which is an HBO Max original series called Murder at Middle Beach. Now, I forget how many episodes there were, maybe eight, ten, I forget exactly. But it's one of those things where I, like, regretted, started starting to watch it before all the episodes came out because it was so fucking painful waiting week to week. Essentially, what made it so good was it was one of those stories where you watch the first episode, Don't Fuck With Cats was, where you watch the first episode thinking like, okay, this is what the story is. And I finished the first episode thinking, okay, well, isn't that, isn't that it? Isn't that, like, how do we have another eight episodes of this or whatever? But after that first episode, you realize there's so much more to the story than you thought. And so essentially, I, for, I forget where the story took place. Where is Middle Beach?
1: Madison, Connecticut. So okay, right, it's, yeah. it's a four-part documentary series. There, or, I'm sorry, did you want me to give a summation of what it is? Sure. Okay. So it's four-part uh, series that's on uh, HBO, and it's from first-time filmmaker Madison Hamburg. So it's literally an entire documentary about the murder of his mother and just the overall case of her very brutal murder in 2010 on March 3rd in Madison, Connecticut, which is a ritzy, upper middle class type of area. So it it goes through different relationships he has with different family members his mother's relationship with those family members. And it's literally him just going through and interviewing all the people that were, you know, in the peripheral of this really horrible crime. And the crime was still unsolved. So you're spending each episode getting more information about other people that were in his mother's life and things that she was involved in that he didn't necessarily know about when he was a kid because I believe she was murdered when he was 16. So it's very interesting to... To watch him do an investigative dig on the murder of his own mother it, it was very good. I, yeah, I also regretted, because, of course, I got a text message where Chris was like, holy shit, if you started Murder on Middle Beach? And I was like, no, not yet. I was going to start it next week. And then I made the same mistake of immediately watching it and then having to wait a week to finish it. Yeah, well,
0: you had quite a bit of trouble getting to the first fucking episode to begin with,
1: because... You were like, yeah. You
0: were watching something, and like twenty minutes went by, and you were you were like, you started asking me. You, you were, the comments you were sending to me or texting to me, I was like, what the fuck is she talking about? And you you sent me like a screenshot of your television, and I'm like, Nancy, what the fuck are you watching? This is not Murder at Middleby.
1: So remember when we were talking about American Murder and knowing what Xfinity does when you talk into it? That's how I got. <laughs> situation <laughs> all i said was murder on middle beach and i even took a picture and sent it to you where it said exactly that at the bottom but yeah i spent about 20 minutes watching some weird thing about a british family going to a farm and then a woman having a like psychotic breakdown in a bathroom so i was like 20 25 minutes until then i literally went into my hbo max app on my phone and was like oh yeah this does this this is what he was talking about. Let me just stream that to my to my TV now. And I was like, "Yeah, oh, I don't now know what was going sense?
0: on because it literally yeah, was." Uh, I think you showed me. I think you showed me like the actual description, and and it, the, it was yeah. the, the, the the both the title and the description were of Murdered Middle Beach, but whatever the fuck your screen was, your system was showing you was something else.
1: Yep. But, so I just um, did it through my phone, but yeah, I kept. And also, here's the thing, because I'm sure listeners have caught on to this shit by now, how often you love to troll me with stuff. So I was like, he's just fucking with me. This is what I'm supposed to be watching. And he's just pretending that I don't know. And then I was like, haha, whatever. And you were like, no, girl, seriously, I don't know what the fuck that is. And then when I (laughs) looked on my phone, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. He was not trolling me. It's actually something else. But yeah. Yeah,
0: But so uh, basically... You know, they walk you through the crime scene, and you have the... Madison has, I believe, three aunts? Or is it two? No, three. I think it's two. Well, I think there were three, because I think there were two who were, like, heavily featured in the documentary, and then there was one other one who, like, they didn't really talk to, like, disassociated herself from the family, I think, if I remember. Or not just to separate herself from the family, but from the other two aunts, and one of the aunts is the person who discovered the mother's name Barbara discovered Barbara's body with Madison's sister, and so they walk you through what well, we got out the car, and this is what we saw on the lawn, and then we were like, "What's going on?" And we saw her purse sitting out, and we. You know, I lifted up the cushion and I saw blood on it. You know, they walk through the whole thing. And so basically the first episode essentially leads you to believe that the ex-husband, so Madison's father, is the obvious and really only suspect. Because they were going through, they had a tumultuous marriage. The father had some shady business dealings. He was very controlling, had like anger issues, and they were going through a very tumultuous divorce at the time. And I believe what they stated in the first episode was that day when she was murdered, she was supposed to appear in court opposite him to talk about, you know, to have some sort of hearing or ruling
1: He was on back case. child support.
0: Yes. And and so I don't know exactly what the father's finances are. There was something that happened with the company that he had or worked for where well, um, he, he was he, pushed out because of some shady dealings he'd had and lost that job. And yeah, he was
1: he, the CEO of his company and he was fired from being CEO because of some like tax law type violation things of shady shuffling around of money. So he went from being like a big shot CEO of a major company to like a consultant. (laughs) Yeah, but I think
0: he somehow he ended up suing that company that removed him and getting some type of sizable settlement from him. I forget what it was, but I believe it was in the seven figures. So I don't even think that the back child support was an issue of he didn't have the money. I think it was like he it was one of those things where you're so angry in the midst of a divorce that you're so petty and like toxic that you don't even want the person to get one fucking penny. And it's just like, I think he was, he's, he was narcissistic enough to just want to punish her rather than, oh, I don't want to give her money. But so, so you, that's how you come away from the first episode is thinking like, okay, the father is the clear suspect and the next, after all the rest of the episodes are going to be us following them, trying to hunt him down or make the case against him or whatever. And there's even a, in that first episode, a, I think it, it's in the first episode where the son sets up um, a meeting at a coffee shop or a bar or something with the dad that is that in the first episode.
1: Yeah. Cause remember he calls him and he flat out refuses to say anything about his mother or her murder or anything on the phone. Like he, he very clearly says like my lawyer said, I shouldn't talk about any of this. So I'm not talking about any of this uh, to you over the phone. So if you want to, if you want to get together and see each other, you know, as father and son, you know, we can do that, but I'm not talking to you about any of this. So then Madison arranges, okay, yeah, let's go get a beer. So they rent out whatever room across the street from this bar and Madison wears a wire, essentially, to record their conversation, and then there's just a very far away angle from across the street of just them sitting there and drinking beers together.
0: Yeah, so in the course of the episode, Madison is trying to get more information about his mother's murder and about the context of her life to be able to understand what happened to her. And so, obviously, the person who would probably have the most information is his father, who was married to her for many years and who was embroiled in this battle with her in courts. So he kept calling his father and asking him, can you help me, can you tell me anything more about her and what was going on? And the father gives these vague statements about Well, there's more to, you know, your mother than you knew when there were other things going on. But he would never, he would not answer any specific questions or give Madison any specific information. So that's when Madison sets up this secret recording thing to see if hopefully his father will say something in person that.
1: In a public place.
0: Right. And at that point, it's it's not even about trying to have something as evident or anything. It was at that point still just him trying to make this movie, you know? So, so that happened. And so you, like I said, you end the first episode, okay, well it's obviously the father. And so that's that. And then you start the next fucking episode and it's, Oh no, bitch. This is like, you peeled back the motherfucking onion and this is a whole nother mess.
1: I got whiplash from how many times my head would dart in different directions. Oh, shit, no, so it was this person? (gasps) No, it was this person. So many twists and turns, really solid, true crime. Like, it it is a real-life whodunit, because you're literally, Mm -hmm. every 10 minutes,
0: you're like, wait, no, it's this person. Wait, no, it's this person. And there is not a single person who is in her family Who was connected to her that at some point you don't suspect or think that they were possibly the murderer and
1: it's and i'm surprised this was his first documentary because it is extremely well shot and very well edited i really enjoyed it i hope he continues making things because i was shocked when it said it was his first time doing anything
0: yeah but it was like one of those things where you're sitting there watching, I mean, I really wish I could have just binged the whole thing at once because it was so painful. Like, after that second episode where they start pointing fingers at everybody else, I was like, holy shit. I need to know what's happening here. And I was, like, trying so... It was so hard not to start Googling shit because I was so desperate to know what happened. And
1: I don't think... If I remember back to the second episode, I don't think they pull any punches. I think it's literally like before the intro, they drop a major bomb as to why it could be someone else. And you're like, wait, what? So they, right. it's no holds barred with that show. It's very, yeah. I don't want to spoil so, I anything. Mean,
0: yeah, no, it's, uh, that's why I'm trying to, everything I'm saying, I'm trying to keep to what basically is revealed in the first episode. I mean, the only thing that we mentioned is that there's other suspects that come up, but. That's yeah. just, you pretty much find that out the minute you start episode. Actually, not even that. They tell you, I think, even in the preview of for episode two, once you get to the end of episode one. But um, yeah, so don't, I would not suggest Googling the story. If you're going to watch one true crime thing from 2020, I think it should be Murder at Middle Beach because that shit was just... Yeah. And it's also it also has a really good emotional impact, too, because it's like this isn't just some journalist or reporter that's following the story. Can you imagine how painful it must be? Not just the fact that you're investigating your own mother's murder to make a movie, but beyond that, every single person in your family is a
1: suspect. <laughs> like, Are you asking and- me specifically or hypothetically? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but think about it. It's like
0: you, I can't imagine how painful it is for a young person to lose their mother in such a way. I forget how old he was when his mother
1: 16. was murdered.
0: Okay, yeah. So sixty I mean, that's a really hard age for a boy to lose his mother. And so... The, there's the grief of being a young man in the world without your mother, and I don't think he was particularly close to his father. So it's like yeah. his aunts and his sister and his grandmother and whomever else. Like those are the you know only people he has left. And now you're sitting here finding out all this information that one of them may be the one that killed her. It's I just can't imagine that like the way he handled it, and maybe he just was really good at internalizing it, but he seemed to handle it really well, because I would have been having a nervous breakdown.
1: Well, and I'm sure he's been through like a whole laundry list of you know, therapists and mental health professionals, because there, I think there does come that one point in your life when you reconcile that not only was like, this my mother, and then I'll think all these things about it being my mother, but you get to that certain age where you realize Oh, no, she was a woman. She had all this other shit going on. And I think at first, when I watched the first episode and the dad was like, I'm not going to talk about her, There's other things going on. I was like, maybe he's trying to be respectful. Like, maybe she was cheating on him and he doesn't want to, like, taint, you know, his son's vision or memory of his mother. Like, I can get that. Obviously, that wasn't the case because it's shady as shit. But you guys will see when you watch that episode. But, like, I can understand what kind of mental gymnastics you would have to do and how honestly... Because isn't he almost 30 now? Madison. He's around 30? No? 26? Madison? Yeah.
0: I honestly don't remember.
1: So, well, yeah, well, either way. I feel like it was a real emotional journey to be able to accept those two absolutes of, yes, this was her mother, and you see her this way, and yes, she was a woman that had her own life and these other things going on, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean I and fucking I, I hate think, my mom so I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're I think you're right. I think that there's a certain way that we as kids view our parents and we're used to looking at them through the lens of this is my mom or this is my dad, but we forget or or have to learn that they're also just people outside of that and that, that the persona that they have as our parent shields us possibly from some of the things that they do or they have done or secrets they have or the life that they had before they had you or, you know, because it's like some people are somehow really good parents and they're, you know, you know them as your dad or your mom and they're really good at that. And then, you know, you find out that they were terrible as a husband or wife or they, you know, did some other really awful thing. I mean, how many people are there that, You know, they find out their fucking parent or boyfriend or brother or whatever is like a serial killer and they never knew or would have suspected it. You know, so I think it was, it's also him seeing these other aspects of his mother and difficulties or challenges she was going through that he maybe didn't know as a child, but has to face as he's learning more about her from, people he interviews yeah. but so yeah i mean it's, it's an excellent docu-series it's on hbo max i think they probably have some kind of free trial that if you don't want to have hbo max just get it and watch this and then cancel it that's what i do at <laughs> the time because there's too many fucking streaming services out there now bitch and i can't i'm like i can't yeah. <laughs> with all the fucking amazon hulu netflix cbs all access paramount plus bet plus, uh,
1: discovery, plus discovery plus discovery Naga plus fiance. Yep. Peacock.
0: Like, bitch, no. Now, so now I'm at, like, now you've got me at, like, $150 a month with all these fucking streaming services. Bitch, that's why I left cable.
1: <laughs> or will come, come back over to cable. I pay less than that, and I just have cable. Come back to the website.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, how did we get that? And that now it's, in order for people to watch it, they have to have all these damn services that equal what you would have had when you... For, with cable but anyway
1: well i still um, have cable and I, every time a new service gets trotted out i get told because i have cable that i have a free account so well
2: actually yeah that's it's probably a good better point. to go there, back
1: to cable because i have peacock i have discovery plus
0: these, yeah mm-hmm. some of these streaming services are they're making themselves available to people who have cable packages i forget which there was there's a maybe it's disney plus but there's some other streaming service that recently launched that I know people are saying they, they get it with their cable packages. I think it is Disney plus, but
1: I know Peacock, for sure that's what Peacock. it is, it's Peacock. Yeah. It's
0: Peacock, yeah.
1: Yeah. Peacock and HBO max came with because I already had a cable subscription. So I just got an email from my cable provider being like, oh my God, guess what you're welcome. And I was like, oh, cool.
2: <laughs> yeah
1: i mean i i feel like you are gonna do
0: a fucking bait and switch though, where it's like okay, here it is here we're gonna get you hooked on our series for free and then suddenly we're gonna rip that shit from comcast and then you'll have to pay but so then knows. you just
1: call and you say that your cable bill is too expensive and you can't really afford it anymore so you want to cancel your whole service and then they give you six months free
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love that i fucking call my cable an internet company like every year. And I'm like, yeah, I'm canceling. And they're like, wait a minute, sir. Let me transfer you over to our client retention department. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm canceling because it's too fucking expensive. And they're like, well, let's see what promotions we can find to bring your bill down. I'm like, "Mm, thank you.
1: But then you have to keep a close eye on it every month because I've had them sneak back in. Well, here's a $12 surcharge. She'll never notice for here TV. And I'm like, excuse me, what is here TV? What is that? I I don't have (laughs) it remove it
0: but see i have i use this service called true bill which i started using because they keep track of your recurring charges so it helped with i needed because i'm like you know how you just sign up for shit and you forget that you're signed up for it yes all the time yeah so it like gave me a list of all of my charges that were recurring and i was like wait i thought i canceled this shit So I canceled like all this recurring shit I didn't want to have. But what one of the things that the True Bill app does is it tells you when any of your bills go up. Oh, nice. Yeah. So they literally send you. They would send you a notification, say, "Hey, your Spectrum bill was fifteen dollars higher than last month, or whatever the fuck."
1: I think Um, the fuck not, you trick ass bitch.
0: But so, so yeah. So as far as two two thousand twenty goes, so there were some really great movies that came out. There were some great TV shows. One of the movies that made a huge impact that everybody seemed to like or had a lot to say about was Parasite, which the name of the direct was this the same director who did Snowpiercer or did I make that up?
1: Nope, it is the same director. Uh, Bong Joon Ho. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Boon. That's his
0: name. Bong Joon Ho. Yes. He's South Korean. And what's interesting is, I mean, because people don't realize this, people in the US, but our movies get exported all the time. And people mm-hmm. in other countries that speak other languages, they watch them with subtitles. And mm-hmm. so there could be, I mean, American movies are released there as like mainstream films. Whereas like here in the US, foreign films are basically considered like art house films. You know, you would see yeah. them basically, you know, at a small theater or something, or maybe in the big cities they're out for like one weekend and then they're suddenly they're on demand or whatever. But this movie, I feel like superseded the label of a foreign film. And it was very successful obviously got a bunch of Academy Awards, and it's a really good kind of upstairs, downstairs take on wealth and and class in this city. And do you, you want to give just a general synopsis of what the movie's about?
1: Yeah, so it opens up with this family. It's a brother, sister, mother, father that live in this very tiny cramped apartment where they're Literally, they're just leeching off of the neighbor's Wi-Fi and stuff like that. The way that they make their money is, you know, folding pizza boxes for this place down the street or, you know, delivering packages and stuff like that. So it's very clear that the whole family is in, you know, dire straits financially. So the son, I'm not, and also, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Korean names because I'm just going to butcher it and I don't need to be dragged today. Um, so the son uh, is good friends with this guy who is a, translator slash tutor for the very wealthy family that has this teenage daughter and a younger son. So the friend says, hey, I'm going off to university. You should take my gig with this family. It'll be really good money. They'll pay you really well. Like just go for it. And then, you know, when I come back, I'll take it back over and it'll be all good. So slowly as this guy starts working with the daughter and sniffing out the all the different type of service people they have. In their immediate realm, and starts suggesting other people in his family to take up these other positions they're looking for. Oh, we're looking for an art tutor for our young son. And he's, like, oh, shit, well, do I got a person for you? And ends up sh- suggesting his sister until they're all just in- completely entangled in all these weird lies and cover stories and stuff. It's a great movie. It's beautifully shot. And My favorite part about it was, because it is kind of a long movie, it's so good and there's so many things that happen in it, where I just kept thinking, there's a lot of movie left and I still can't figure out exactly where this story is going, but I am having a really fun ride right now.
2: Yeah. And I feel like, go
1: ahead. I was just gonna say, and I was late to the party because I really wanted to see it when it was in theaters, but you know, COVID. And for whatever reason, it was not available to, because I don't illegally download movies because I don't know how, but all the places where you can normally rent it, like through my cable service or through like iTunes and all this stuff, it didn't have anything to rent. It just had to buy. And it was like, buy it for $25. And I was like, well, I'm not going to roll the dice, but it is now streaming right now. It is on Hulu. So if you have Hulu, go there and watch that. But yeah, I literally just got to see it probably, like right before Christmas when it first hit on Hulu. Yeah, I think it
0: is. It's yeah, definitely on Hulu right now. So if you have Hulu, you don't have to pay to watch it. But if you don't, then you know it's available to rent for three ninety nine on all the different services. But I mean, it has like a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It won a bunch of awards. I would say, because I think a lot of people, and and Bong said this when he accepted his Oscar, is he's like, Americans are missing out on so many good films because they don't want to read subtitles. And I feel I like... I agree. I feel like this is a movie that's very accessible, even if you're somebody who's you know i don't want to watch you know i don't want to watch some like experimental like art house film about a sad clown like pushing a beach ball across the floor with a stick like, this <laughs> this is not this is not one of those movies this is it feels like a it's a black comedy thriller and it's a mainstream you know entertaining movie with a message that just happens to be in another language so I would say don't feel intimidated by the fact that you have to read subtitles. And, well, I don't know. I was going to say there may be versions out there that are dubbed with English.
1: But don't oh, no, don't do it. True. Never do an English dub. Never do an English dub. <laughs> yeah. One of my yeah. favorite horror movies ever... Uh, High tension, which I highly recommend if you're into horror, psychological, crazy stuff. It's an amazing movie, but the English dub is the worst I've ever seen, and I've never been able to watch an English dub after that. I have PTSD from it, so just never do an English dub. Just do the subtitles. It's better, I promise.
0: Okay, I will admit, though, that when I'm watching... There are a couple of series that I'm watching on Netflix, and I do watch them with English dubbing. And it, it's because I think, and maybe it's my own like lack of attention span, but it's like when you're watching, <laughs> when you're watching a movie, you can like, sit down for an hour and a half or two hours and give it your full attention and watch it. Which you have to do if you're reading subtitles because you have to look at the screen to read it. But if you're watching like a five-season show that has like. 13 episodes each season, it's hard to give that much of your undivided attention to something, at least it is for me. And so you can't look away and look at your phone. You can't like go in the kitchen and start making something to eat. Like you have to, it's just, it's a lot for my brain. So
1: there's the So I'm the opposite. If I watch something with English dubbing, I get distracted about how the lips do not match the audio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my brain like, ah! so that i just then i get too distracted and i'm like i didn't hear it uh, so yeah i just i for subtitles <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah i've been watching there's a i think it's spanish series called elite on netflix that's like a version of like gossip girl that i've been watching with english dubbing but it's the dubbing is really bad And it's also, I watch, because I watch everything, whether it's an an American show or otherwise, I watch everything with subtitles. So watching it with subtitles is even more confounding because for some reason, and I wish someone could explain this to me, the English dubbing doesn't match the English subtitles. (laughs) And so it's, and so they clearly have like different, they're working off different translations. I mean, the general meaning of a sentence is the same, but the actual words are different. So it's. It's just, it's, but anyway, so yeah, check out Parasite and the other big kind of, well, it's quite, it's, it was a fort, farewell really from a show that has been on for quite some time, but it's like one of the, it's one of those shows like Breaking Bad that wasn't that popular when it first came out. But then once it got on Netflix, people started watching it and it just grew mm-hmm. into this big thing, but Schitt's Creek. So Shit's Creek, it's a comedy series. It was on a channel called Pop TV, which I think is a Canadian thing. Well, certainly Shit's Creek is a Canadian series, but I don't know. Or right, no, Pop TV I think is an American network, but Shit's Creek is made or was made in Canada. But I think they—that's just the network that happened to be airing on here. But uh, basically, the concept of Shit's Creek is—it's this family. Uh, stars Eugene Levy and. Catherine O'Hara, who you know is just <laughs> my favorite, a legend. Yeah, they're the parents of this family and they're very rich and like very rich and have, you know, raised their kids in this super ritzy, fancy lifestyle. So they're two kids who are, I think, in their 20s, or maybe David might be slightly older. Um,
1: yeah, David's they... 34 and Alexis is 29.
0: Okay, yeah. So they're, you know, just spoiled rich kids, basically. And so you start the first episode really not liking these people because they're so, yeah, vapid and just materialistic and just totally out of sync with just reality. And I forget what exactly the crime was, but Eugene Levy's character gets like, they bring charges against him for something and they freeze all of his assets and they like take everything they seized like everything from their house so they they end up having no house no furniture no possessions no jewelry no money nothing just like absolutely nothing and I forget how he finds out about it do you remember but but basically they find out that they that Eugene Levy's character the one thing that he has that was not seized by the feds is he owns like some weird ass shitty like podunk town called Shits Creek in the middle of nowhere?
1: Shit spelled it. He S- bought the town as a joke for David's birthday. Yeah. So the very first episode opens with literally this maid walking down this grand staircase in a mansion and opening the door, and she just goes, immigration, and they go revenue. Mrs. Rose, there's someone here from the government. And then it shows them like storming the house. So Eugene Levy's business partner handled all of his finances and it's revealed that he didn't pay taxes for like years and years. So they seize pretty much everything and they flat out, the FBI or the, sorry, the IRS flat out says to him, so we took all this stuff, it's been seized, but this is the one thing you have left because we don't really see any value in it. And this can be somewhere where you can just... Hang tight for a while until you land back on your feet. And David and Alexis are so confused because they're like why wouldn't you just photoshop the deed like you actually bought a town that's absolutely ridiculous. So then it transitions to them moving to this very small, low population in the sticks town and they start living in a motel. That's their new digs and that's where the show starts. That's season 1. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so there's all these kind of wacky characters in the town, like Stevie works at the front desk, who's, you know, Daria esque, you know, yeah. very dry and, you know, sarcastic. Sargon. Yeah. Yeah. And she ends up becoming friendly with David. And then there's like a cute vet. Well, wait, does she start off with the bet or she a No, she, she no, starts no, off with the...
1: Mutt. With Mutt. Right. Yeah. I've, so, I've watched this series like thirty times now. So any yeah. So,
0: so then, yeah. Alexis finds some like lumberjack-ish guy who is who she falls for, who like lives in a shed. And
1: it's a barn, um, not a shed. What? It's a barn, not a shed.
0: Oh, girl, bye. <laughs> barn, shed, whatever the fuck what the fuck is the difference
1: size square footage
0: please i've seen some really big sheds don't they have she sheds
1: she by sheree
0: <laughs> no like Joggers. when I was, just, I was looking up stuff for like what to do with my backyard and they were like we can make man caves for you or she sheds and i was like oh, oh god that. Yeah.
1: A she shed. I can't even have yes. my space in the fucking house. I got to go in the backyard.
0: <laughs> but yeah. And so then there's this character played by Chris Elliott, Roland, who, you know, he's like slubby and like gross and just very redneckish. And he's married to this very kind of hold de sacky Susan woman named, I forget what it name is. Jocelyn. Jocelyn, yeah. Who's Roland nice is the mayor
1: of the town. Sorry, yes.
0: Uh, Yeah, so Roland is the mayor of Schitt's Creek. And so he's the one who, like, he meets Eugene Levy to, like, introduce him to the town and show him around and and all that stuff. And it's one of those things where I avoided it for so long because, number one, I'm not a comedy person. I don't generally watch comedies. I like dramas. I like suspense. I like thriller. I like stuff that's really, like, And part of it, I think, is my attention span, because I just, I need something that's going to grip me really hard to where I will, I'm compelled to watch the next episode. So I generally just don't, I generally don't watch comedies, but I I think it was like, I needed something to help me to, to watch when I went to bed that was not so, didn't make my brain work so hard, and also... Living under the Trump era, something that was just light and just be a bit of escapism. So I was like, let me just start watching this and see what happens because everybody keeps fucking talking about it. And it doesn't seem like it'll be up my alley, but we'll see. And I just, it took a couple of episodes for me to get into it. But then I was like, now I'm fucking invested with these stupid ass white people and what's going to happen <laughs> to them in this town in shit's Creek. Because even though you like hate them in the first episode or two or three, Seeing them have to be humbled as to live among the commoners and have literally nothing to their name in this town is just enjoyable to watch. And to see their evolution as they, I don't know, I don't know how I would describe it, but as the show goes on, you see their character development as people. So it's not one of those shows that's just, you know, here's a, here's 25 minutes of watching just jokes that, like, some stand-up writer did in, in, you know, the writer's room. Like, there's actually, like, a character development that you go on with them and watch, like, the journey of them going from riches to rags to, you know, trying to find a new normal.
1: Well, and the final season came out in 2020, and I can tell you it's a really beautiful character art for pretty much every single character on the show. I I had heard about Schitt's Creek and I love Eugene Levy and I love Catherine O'Hara. And I just had never, it was never a priority to me. It was sitting in the backlog. And then during quarantine, and it was actually, I guess it was over the summer, last summer, I just started it and I binged the whole series in a week. And then I don't remember exactly win, but I know shortly thereafter the final season came out and I binged that in a day. It's a really great show. It has a lot of really good quotes and it's not like, they're so wacky here's their trademark line like it's not like that. It is it's got a lot of heart and it's really beautiful and I I just really want to be friends
0: with David.
1: (laughs) Me too. I just became like
0: obsessed with him and his sweaters.
1: Yes. And I want to hear, I want to continue to hear Moira Rose's super extended vocabulary, because some of the words that she used in that show were just so perfect. I, I absolutely love it. And, and that fucking place that Captain O'Hara does. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. And I know what you're probably thinking. Oh my God. I've heard so many people talk about this fucking show. No, I'm not into it. Just give the first three episodes a chance. Just give it a chance. If it can't grab you, that's my rule of thumb. If you can't grab me in the first three episodes, I'm moving on. But I highly recommend it. I think it's a great show. Very funny. A lot of heart. And definitely would recommend. And it was one of my favorite things of 2020.
2: Yeah.
0: And I will say, there are literal times in the show where I cry.
1: Like, yes, me too. <laughs> me too.
0: So... Yeah, so that's, that is all we have on our best of 2020 list. I'm going to go ahead and put all of those things in our episode description and in the notes on our website, winetherapypodcast.com, so that if you want to revisit any of this stuff, you it's all there.
1: guys. This was the first part of our two-part episode for the best and worst of 2020. If you want to hear us revisit the year's worst events for news, pop culture, and all of the shenanigans of the year, check out the next episode in your feed now.